Have you ever thought to yourself, am I really doing what I should be doing with my life right now? Am I making my greatest impact? A listener recently asked me something similar to this, and we felt like it was a great topic, especially after our recent episode about how Satan wants you to waste your time. So today we're sharing some ways to really discover and spend your time wisely and how to discover your purpose and greatest contribution to the world in all seasons of life. So a reader or a listener actually wrote me a DM last week, yeah, last Tuesday. And by the way, if you ever have a topic that you are curious about or want us to think about podcasting about, you can totally do this. Write us an email or send me a DM. Email's usually a little bit more reliable than DM because DMs get lost really easily. But I happened to find this one. And someone said, I just listened to your podcast episode. Satan wants you to waste your time. You spoke in there knowing about your identity. But the thing that I struggle with is my purpose. I know who I am. I know God put me here. But what is my purpose and how do I go about finding it? I've asked God to guide me to find my purpose, but it hasn't come. My kids are all in school for three years now, and I'm a stay-at-home mom. I thought that once they were all in school, I would be able to find my purpose outside of motherhood. But I am really struggling to find what I am, quote, supposed to do, unquote. And I thought this was a great question as a follow-up to Satan wants you to waste your time. It's super easy to waste our time in all kinds of ways, and we've talked about that already. But I thought this was a really good topic to discuss about how do you find your purpose and what you should be doing with your time. So we had kind of a preliminary conversation about this and and my initial reaction to this girl was to just talk to her about I love that she was seeking answers on this and and I told her I I think sometimes people get overwhelmed by needing this huge purpose or huge mission and Sometimes what God needs even more is just ground level ministering and service and missionary work, time in the temple for us. That's a priority for you. It might look like something different, but we're going to kind of talk about some ways that you can invest your time in things that will matter in eternity, in the next life that you'll die someday and look back and say, I'm really glad I spent my time this way. So, and that may look different depending on your faith base or your beliefs, but everyone can be doing good things with their time that will actually really impact people in the long run. So one of the things I wanted to start out with is a talk by Sharon Eubank, Turning Enemies into Friends. I love this talk. She gave this talk at BYU. And so she says, I've thought about this topic a lot and you probably have too. What do I do in my leisure time? Maybe you're like me because you might ask, what leisure time? I know that you're busy university students with church callings, work, family, friends, and many obligations. But after an experience I had a couple of weeks ago, I realized that as busy as I think I am, the Lord puts opportunities right in my path and all I have to do is take advantage of them. The experience I had was after President Thomas S. Monson's funeral. So if you're not familiar with who that is, he was the prophet and president of our church. So president of a worldwide organization with millions of members. He's a pretty busy guy. So to go back to her quote, the Monson family asked the Relief Society if we would deliver dozens of floral arrangements that had been sent for President Monson's funeral to different care centers and hospitals around the valley. I took one of these big, beautiful arrangements into a care center that was right by President and Sister Monson's family home. 
The woman behind the desk wondered what I was doing because the arrangement was huge. But when she understood what I was delivering, she burst into a smile because President Monson was very well known and loved at that care center. I came to understand that he had spent many, many hours of his leisure time visiting with people there. I believe that the Lord often isn't asking for big, time-consuming gestures. He merely wants minutes of our time every day to help another person on their way. So that's kind of the first big thing that you and I talked a lot about. And what are your thoughts, Neil? Well, no, I think absolutely it's easy to kind of overlook opportunities that are all around us or are just right around us. But I love, first off, I love President Monson. I think that's such a story that totally speaks to him. And right, you can picture like, that. I can see him popping in there and going to these care centers to visit with people and minister to people. And that was kind of his big thing was always spending time with other people and, and caring for those in need that were right around him and finding opportunities to do that. So really, really cool. And being on the Lord's errand, that was kind that of That was his, his whole, over his whole kind of saying, right? Mm-hmm. And he has this really heartbreaking story of where he was speaking at some really big meeting and he had this prompting to go visit someone in the hospital, but the meeting had just started and he was like, I can't leave. Like this will look so bad if I just get up in the middle of this meeting and leave. But he kept getting the prompting. And so right when the meeting ended, he jumped up and ran to his car, drove over to the hospital to go visit this person that he kept getting a prompting about. And he walked in and they said, oh, are you Bishop Monson or whatever his President Monson or something at the time? And they said he was calling your name right before he died. And it's like just such a gut punch when you hear that story. But he says like after that, he just decided he would never delay a prompting. And he would always he says at the end of this, like really beautiful biographical video, like a documentary that they did about him. He says at the very end, I always wanted the Lord to know that if he needs an errand ran, that Tom Monson will run that errand for him. And he lived that like and it's obvious with this story about the flowers, but. There are definitely people who just live that way. Every day they just are like, what can I do within my realm of influence with just the the people who are right around me, right in my little, you know, plot of land. And so also this is an interesting segue into one of the questions that came in yesterday. I like to do these Sunday spiritual Q&As when I can on Instagram. I don't do them every week, but I try to do them as often as possible. And so yesterday someone wrote in and asked about jealousy. How do I overcome jealousy? And so part of my answer was from this talk that I've kind of been obsessed with the last couple of weeks from Neil A. Maxwell. It's called Content with the Things Allotted Unto Us. And I really believe this could apply to anyone who believes in God or a higher power of what's God's purpose for you. So he says, developing greater contentment with certain of our existing constraints and opportunities is one of our challenges. Otherwise, we may feel underused, underwhelmed, and underappreciated, while ironically, within our givens are unused opportunities for service all around us. Neither should we pine away, therefore, for certain things outside God's givens, such as for the powerful voice of an angel, because there is so much to do within what has been allotted to us. So that's like the first idea is 
are you looking at someone else's church calling or someone else's opportunity to go serve somewhere or to do something that seems like it's they're a little bit more in the limelight or they're being recognized or their people are noticing what they're doing? Are you doing that while there's so much work to be done within what you've been assigned to do or what you have an opportunity to do? And I love that part because there's so much to do within what has been allotted to us. I've thought about that a lot since I read it the first time, like whatever it was, 10 days ago. And then he goes on to say, the Lord knows our circumstances and the intents of our hearts and surely the talents and gifts he has given us. He's able to gauge perfectly how we have performed within what is allotted to us, including by lifting up some of the many surrounding hands that hang down, thus yearning for expanded opportunities while failing to use those at hand as bad form spiritually. What we could and have done with our allotted acreage, therefore, is known perfectly by the master of the vineyard. Again, no matter your faith base, if you look at your life's opportunities, if you look at where you landed in life, the family you were born into, the circumstances you have surrounding you, are you doing the most you can with what you've been given? Or are you looking outside of that and wishing you had more when you're not even, I I just like, think it's amazing too the way he says that I mean he doesn't mince words at all where he says yearning for expanded opportunities while failing to use those at hand is bad form spiritually it's just a truth bomb it's like yeah that's the truth are you doing what's already been assigned to you and and I try to always have a lot of compassion and understanding for people who like write in or ask these questions but it happens more frequently than not when I put up those um, Sunday spiritual Q&As that someone will write in and say, I don't like my calling or I feel underappreciated or nobody notices me. So I asked our Relief Society president today, how's your calling? How's everyone doing? Because she has a big calling. She's a good friend of mine. And she said, you know, I there's always a few people who say like, I don't, I feel like I'm not noticed or I'm not acknowledged or I'm not part of the word or I I don't feel as involved as I want to be. And so her response is always, are you doing your ministering? Like, are you out serving? Are you helping? And when you focus on that, then the blessings just start rolling back in your favor. Like, are you out doing everything you can to serve others? It's a little bit of a funny topic for me right now because I feel like we're on like the extreme receiving end of other people's service. And I don't feel like I'm giving nearly as much as I would like to, or usually I'm always like, if you need a meal, I'm your girl. Like I love to bring people dinner. So it's kind of weird because right now we're just receiving a lot of dinners and treats and drop-offs and help and support from others. But it's something that I think you appreciate so much once you've been on that receiving end. And that's an important part of the circle of life of giving and receiving and all of that. But what else are you thinking of with this, Neil? I think of the kind of the word opportunity, because uh, I think you can look at it and feel, at least I can, I don't know, feel like, oh, I'm, I'm dropping the ball. Like I'm, I'm not doing what I could do with the opportunities around me, or like I should be doing more. I should be helping more. I should be doing a better job with my opportunities and like I'm such a failure. But I I look at it as understanding who God is, someone who understands me personally mm-hmm. and all of us personally knows strengths and weaknesses and giving all of those different 
skill sets, and whatever weaknesses. Taking that all into account has put us in specific places. I mean, you think about even just where you live, like how you are surrounded by a very, like of all the billions of people or billion people on the earth, like you're surrounded by, you know, your neighbors who are maybe 10 or so, or how, you know, however closely you want to want to look at that proximity, but there's a reason for that. And so if you think of, of that in terms of people that you're surrounded by and you're in this, the exact set of circumstances you are like geographically for a reason, it's really cool to think of that. So one of the, the talks as we were talking about this concept, I would go on these bike rides and listen to conference talks. And this one, I've heard it a couple of times and I'm like, man, this is really interesting. This is a talk by Bonnie L. Oscarson. I guess she was the young women's general president. I think this is from 2017. But she says, I believe that most members, talking about members of the church, or you know, this could apply to anybody really, consider service to be at the heart of their covenants and discipleship. But I also think that sometimes it's easy to miss some of the greatest opportunities to serve others because we are distracted. As previously to this, she was talking about like texting or being on your phone or whatever or because we're looking for ambitious ways to change the world and we don't see that some of the most significant needs we can meet are within our own families, among our friends, in our wards, and in our communities. We are touched when we see the suffering and great needs of those halfway around the world, but we may fail to see there is a person who needs our friendship sitting right next to us in class. So this was a really cool concept because I think, I mean, we've been a part of it. Like we did, went and saw these sites in Dominican Republic where people, villages needed water and things like that. And it was a great experience. And I, I think those are fantastic opportunities. And and we've been a part of those. She raises an interesting question where it's like, sometimes it's easy to overlook maybe somebody who's sitting right next to you or an opportunity that's right in front of you when there's like a legitimate desire to serve, like, oh, I want to go and help somebody. Um, and, and kind of, it's easy to look and think in grandiose terms, which I think is really good, but also there may be opportunities right around us to do something for somebody that has been put in our path. So really, really cool. That's so true. And Sharon Eubank, who I quoted a second ago, has been like, the president of LDS Charities, and she's led so many of these huge, huge worldwide efforts for humanitarian work. And she said, I've heard her say in an interview before that when people go to her and say, I really want to get involved in humanitarian work. I want to do something big. I want to change the world. Her very first question is, how's your ministering going? And are you doing your ministering? Because that's the most important thing you can be doing with your time right now. And it's great to go do things that are on a larger scale, but also are you taking care of the people who are right in your backyard? And I think that's really an interesting response from someone who's in charge of the biggest in our church, the the biggest worldwide efforts that our church has to offer, which we do a lot in our church. We help a lot. We do a lot of outreach and service and giving and so one of the things that you and I were talking about before this was how Andre is such a good example of this. Our friend Andre in Ukraine, it's pretty amazing if you look at his story. 
that two years before the war broke out in Ukraine, he started this food delivery business. He started, he put together the contacts of like the people local. He, I think he kind of specializes in like organic foods and fruits and vegetables and produce and, and, um, why can't I think of the word? Like the meats, there's a better word for it. But anyway, so he's got all of these contacts with people who are local farmers and local people who have this food that he can get the food from. And then he has a kitchen, he has containers, he has a whole system down and he had this before the war started. And then once the war happened, he took not only those skills that he felt like the Lord had given him of how to do these big food orders and then distribute them among his clients. But also he decided to just serve the people who were right in his community, right at the closest subway station hiding underground and the people who were within driving distance. And and he took what he had, the skills he had, the people he had surrounding him and did what he could with what he had. And it's so cool and so inspiring to see that if you listen to his weekly reports on Instagram, the you know hundreds and thousands of people that he's been able to help to survive through this the majority of this year being in a war in Ukraine and how like it's so clear to me like being an outsider it's so clear that the Lord put him in these exact circumstances for a reason so that he could help in this specific way and it's also so inspiring to me that he was asked many times and we've even you and I have talked to him on the phone about do you want to get out do you want to leave and he's like I feel called to stay here and to help. I feel like I'm supposed to help. And now he does these family days and he gathers families and does something that's like uplifting and and a happy experience for them. They show like kids movie, they get little treats and and it's such a cool thing that he has decided to do right in his little community. And there's lots of other efforts going on around Ukraine, but he just kind of took what he could do within his little circle and has just literally saved lives. Yeah. But he asked an interesting question. He's like, Hey, I think he said, and we did this. He said, Hey, can you do a podcast on rest? And so we did this yeah. podcast on rest and being in, obviously in his situation where you're delivering food, like all day, every day for every day of the week, almost you, you can get kind of burned out. One of the things I've thought about as we were talking here and talking about serving others. And I, I obviously think about your situation being on bed rest where I can't help but incorporate some 12 steps here. Step 10, taking daily accountability. It's also about there's some questions in the step that it asks. So there's a section here in, in, the, in the ARP manual, the Addiction Recovery Program manual. It says, ask yourself as the day, as you plan your day, Prayerfully examine your motives. Are you doing too much or too little? Are you taking care of your basic spiritual, emotional, and physical needs? Do you serve others? So obviously there's, in looking at these opportunities to serve and to to give, there's got to be something. I think of it in, in regards to this step. I have to have something to give right. first and foremost. Right. Like I have to be taking care of my basic physical, spiritual, emotional needs because if I can't do those things, then I don't really have anything to give. Evaluating those and then taking 
care of obviously those right around us, which oftentimes is our own family. So times and seasons, and definitely like there's a priority to it and, and a hierarchy of, of how that works. And the cool thing is, is I feel like God will, will tell us, right. will speak to us that inner in, intuition or inner voice. You know, we call it the spirit in our, in our church, but will tell us like what that should look like. And it's kind of, I think it does change. I think it changes from time to time and from different callings that people might have where some people are called to foreign lands to, to do things in certain seasons of their lives. But a lot of times I, I love what this quote that I just read a minute ago talked about where it was like, yeah, I think it's easy to just overlook people who are so commonly in front of us around us all the time and not think about how can we, we serve them when we've been put kind of in that region to be able or opportunity to be able to serve them and and help them. Well, and speaking on times and seasons too, this morning when you and I were driving, we were driving around and dropped the kids off and we were grabbing some birthday treats for Annie's class. I was on Facebook and I was giving Neil some updates of these missionaries that used to come over and eat at our house all the time when we lived in our last neighborhood. And at that time, Neil and I both had a calling where we were asked to serve really closely with the missionaries. And so we were super close with a ton of the missionaries in in that ward at that time. We'd have them over for dinner all the time. We knew their names really well. We knew their stories. We knew what was going on with them. And in that time and season, that was what we we had the capability to do it. We had the time. You know, those guys, like we had the missionaries over at least once a week, if not sometimes twice a week. And also at the time in their mission, they were relying on families to feed them. That was how they were eating. And now it's changed. Now in this mission, they they do it differently. But I look at that and I feel like that was such a great growing, expanding time for our family. And it was so cool to have their spirit like they would just bring the spirit into our home when they would come. And then we were able to give back in that way. And then later on down the road, when you and I felt super called and very, very moved to share our story about ARP and about addiction recovery. And that was what the Lord called us to do at that time. We were able to open up and share that when the time was right. So, and then, like I said, a second ago, right now, it's this definite season of rest for me physically. Like I just can't be very many places. I can't even stand up and make a full meal for my own family, let alone other families. So that's not a way that I'm serving right now, but I am trying to look at other opportunities and say, where can I, speaking of the steps, work step 11 every day and wake up and just pray and say, okay, heavenly father, what do you want me to do today? And please help me to have the power to do it. And that's so different from how I prayed before I did the 12 steps. And since I adopted that into my everyday lifestyle, it's completely changed how I live my life. Because if I get a prompting to do something different or focus on something else or somebody needs something more than a work responsibility or something going on in our family or some fun thing that I had planned or whatever, that's what I try to put my focus and time into. And it is amazing. I really feel like you see an abundance of miracles in your life when you're willing to live your life that way, when you're willing to truly wake up every day and say, okay, Heavenly Father, show me what you need me to do today and help me to have the power and capacity to do it. Really, really incredible things happen when you are willing to use your time 
however he wants you to use it. I go back to this person's question of like, how should I be spending my time? What is my purpose? I feel like our purpose has changed throughout like the, through times and it's kind of gone in waves and in seasons and, and sometimes you're just in a survival mode season and we're a little bit in that right now. But at the same time, even in those seasons, there are still things that you can do. There's always something you can do within your realm and within your reach. I was thinking too, just as you were talking about that, because I've kind of felt that I was went from teaching seminary, early morning seminary. So that was super huge time commitment for Mm -hmm. me and really busy, but engaging, like you're always like reading and studying for it. And so it has been a little bit, I think, harder for sure to not feel that and that just stretching and spiritually be uplifted all the time. We were we just had the trunk or treat. It's kind of like kids trick or treat the trunks of cars in our church parking lot. It's kind of an activity. Trunk or treat's like a thing it's everywhere, like a thing Neil. Everywhere. It's, it's I know, not just but ours. I'm just saying yeah. if somebody's like, "What's trunk or treat?" We had ours, and I've I've got Annabelle. I've got our all of our kids are four kids there. So the two older's are are a little bit easier, but the two younger ones are harder to manage. And so I'm thinking just survival mode. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to this thing. I'm just going to survive this and hopefully come out in one piece and not like lose any (laughs) kids or whatever. But when I was there, I'm like, I was kind of dreading it. I'm like, okay, this is going to be tough. It's going to be hard. I'm by myself. I've got four kids. They're going to be running different directions and this is going to be a nightmare. But but I kind of had the thought as I was sitting there, I had the two younger ones up playing these little games and there's this little bowling alley set up and you have to keep setting up the pins after every time someone bowls, it's, you have to do it. Obviously it's not like a bowling alley's there, but I'm like, you know what, this is an opportunity for me. It's, this is a very small thing, but these kids are hanging out. Like I can help run one of these little games while my kids are chilling. They're contained in this area. They're engaged in the games. Let me just set up these pins, let these kids knock them down and kind of help run this little bowling alley thing. It's such a small thing, but I think it completely changed my experience at the trunk or treat. Like I, it went from like, I'm going to survive this and hopefully I come out in one piece <laughs> to I'm having a great time. These kids are mowing, they're loving it. Like I'm talking to the, the, the adults or the parents is there, there with their kids felt way more engaged. It, it wasn't so much of a focus about me and like my survival. It was like, hey, how can I help other people? And that, it just completely changed the whole thing for me. So I don't know, those small opportunities to serve and doing so when it's, I find for me, like when I not even necessarily like, oh, this is my job or my calling, or I'm supposed to do this, or I signed up to help here. But just looking for an opportunity is small, even something as small as helping run a little game for a minute, it just completely changes that whole perspective. And I think that looking at life from that vantage point is really, really cool. And it changes the way you feel very quickly. Admittedly, I think right now, like I need to, I need to create more of those opportunities for, in order to, I, th- I think that's something that I'm lacking right now. And just being like, oh, survival mode, we got to take care of the kids and get everyone 
worked out. So Well, you're doing a lot more than you normally would be in a parental partnership because <laughs> I'm not really able to pull much weight. So I think that brings up another good point too. I think sometimes you can feel like, oh, I should be doing so much more when maybe your family circumstances are demanding that you spend a lot of time within the walls of your home serving. And maybe you're serving the people in your home. Maybe you have an elderly parent who is really needs a lot of your time and attention and you're spending a lot of that time there and not as much time within your community. And I think that there's, there's a reason why I love this by Harold B. Lee. He says, the most important of the Lord's work that you will ever do will be the work you do within the walls of your own home. And again, times and seasons for that too, right? There will be a time pretty soon where I will be waking up in the middle of the night, probably multiple times a night to feed a baby. And I'll be feeding a baby on demand during the day and running on very little sleep. And that period of life, every time we've done it four times, we'll do it again for a fifth time. It feels like it's never going to change and that that is your new reality. And then it always does. Like you grow out of that season and life gets a little bit easier after about six months. And then the year mark, it's easier. And you know, things change throughout that like newborn infant journey. But definitely as a, if you are a mom that is, or, or a parent, but a mom that's breastfeeding specifically, if you're like exclusively breastfeeding, that's kind of your most important job is to keep the baby alive and feed them. I really learned this when I had severe postpartum depression. It was like my therapist kept reminding you, reminding me, you have to prioritize your own health and wellness because you can't keep this baby alive unless you do that. So speaking to what you were just saying, but I think it's really easy to get overwhelmed and feel like, oh, there's so many other things I should be doing when maybe the most important service is just right under your nose in the form of little people or teenagers who really need emotional support or like I said, an, a, an elderly parent who demands a lot of time and care and attention or maybe there's a lot going on there with trying to sort out their comfort and care and health and wellness. So I've observed a lot of that within, within our lives or within the lives of people we love. And, and then I think there are times where you wake up and you feel like, wow, I have more time. I, what should I be doing with that time? Which I think is what the girl writing in was asking is like in this season of time where my kids are all in school, they have been for a while. I find myself with extra time. What is my purpose? What is my calling? What should I be doing? You just have to evaluate like what is your time and season right now? And, and is it an appropriate time to really feel like, okay, I have a lot to give right now versus are you in a survival mode? You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it definitely changes from time to time. Well, a lot just because life changes and different things come at you and, and different curveballs and whatnot. As um, soon as you think you have it figured out, it changes. It changes. Yeah. We learned that kind of working <laughs> together in our business. Someone told us that. They're like, right when you think you have it figured out, and you're like, oh, we got a good system going. It's all They were talking in. about kids and schedules. Kids and, and scheduling yeah. and working from home. And then it changes. Then you have another kid or something different changes. So that's kind of how it's or been. Or nap schedules change for, or after school schedules change or, you know. It all, it's all constantly, yeah, 
bed rest too. And I also really loved, somebody told me once, everything is a phase, the good and the bad seasons. So if it's a good season, enjoy it because it's just a phase. And then if it's a bad season, if things are super hard, that's just a phase too. Everything's always changing. But you can always find within your capacity and keeping in mind what you have a capacity for, you can find within that capacity, you know, bigger or smaller service opportunities. And that was another really important lesson of being going through severe postpartum depression was I remember my therapist kept reminding me, Corinne, you have a really small gas tank right now. You can't spend all of your gas tank up front in the beginning of the day and then expect to make it through the end of the day. So I had to be very, very conscientious and careful about how I was spending my time. And But yet still in that time, we continue to podcast every week. I continued to try to share my faith online and and I did what I could with what I had, with like the little plot of land and the little gas tank that I had. And then, you know, a year out from that, I had a lot more to offer. It just kind of depends on where you're at. But I would love for you, Neil, to speak to why you think step 12 is such an essential part of staying sober and why people need that in their program, like why you don't just do one through 11 and graduate and walk away and you're done. The way that it was explained to me was step 12 kind of cements in your program or your recovery, more importantly. So the first 11 steps, you're admitting your powerlessness, you're admitting there's a problem, turning it over to God doing what you can to inventory that, to understand what it is, and being honest with another person about it, um, and then trying to really go to work on and, and turn those defects of character or, or weaknesses that drove you to an addiction in the first place, that you kind of surrender those to God, and then make amends once you've kind of cleaned, cleaned yourself up and, well, through the atonement of Jesus Christ, God has, has cleaned you up. Then you you go and set right the wrongs that that you've you've done if there are amends to be made you make those amends you and then you live your life in accountability where you're evaluating yourself each day and then making a connection to God through prayer through meditation so the last step is is serving others and looking outward and freely giving to others what was freely given to you. By so doing that, it, there's there's a paradox that was described to me by my sponsor. To keep it, you have to give it away. Meaning if you want to keep your recovery, keep the good spiritual strength that you've received, you've got to give it to others. And so for me, I find in doing that, and it's just a form of service in sponsoring people or helping other people in the program, it's service to others that it just, there's such a strength that comes from that. And there's a love that comes from that. And, and there's a lot of learning and understanding. And so by doing those things, it really anchors in the, your recovery. And it, and it frankly it reminds me of the things that I need to be doing in my life, more or less. I don't know if that's what you were looking for. Yeah, but. it is. I think there's just typically when we talk to people about recovery who haven't been in a 12-step community or they haven't been involved, they usually ask like, well, when do you graduate? Like, when are you, when do you stop going to those meetings? When are you done? And what I didn't realize until I was part of that is there is a total circle of life where the old timer 
is giving back to the newcomer and the newcomer is giving back to the old timer. And here's how that works is that the newcomer who walks into their very first meeting feeling just absolutely defeated and feels like there's no hope for them. Usually you, you love to say nobody comes into the meetings on a winning streak. So usually people are like on the brink of losing everything or they're, they're court ordered or whatever. Usually people are pretty close to rock bottom by the time they start going to a meeting and they walk in, they feel totally hopeless. And then they hear somebody share someone like our friend who runs the San Clemente meeting, who has whatever, 30 something years of sobriety and talks about this is this is how you do this. You get a sponsor, you work the steps, and this is how you achieve what you're here to achieve. And it gives this spark of hope to that newcomer who's like, oh, wow, there are people here who this actually worked for them. This is a thing. This really works. And it gives them hope and it gives them someone who's a guide who can, like last week's podcast episode about having the guide, it gives that person some direction, someone that they can go to and say, today was really hard. How do I get through this or help me through the steps? But then it also gives back to that old timer because it gives them something to remember what it was like. It it gives you that like dose of humility to be like, oh yeah, I am, I am one drink away from going right back to that form of life or, or way of life. And not to say that like if you messed up once or if you relapsed or whatever, your life is over, but just it's, there's something about, even as a spouse of an addict who I did the 12 steps in like a recovering from codependency and in an Al-Anon kind of a situation, it still is so humbling and so good for me to hear people who come in who are just, they feel like they've lost it all or they're about to. And you feel so much gratitude and you want to give back to that person where you're like, I've been there. I know exactly what that feels like. And it does get better. And let me help you if you want it, if you want help and if you're ready for that. So it's like you give to the person who is the old timer and the old timer gives to the newcomer. And it's just like this beautiful circle of people helping people through the new situation. And then also people who've been around a long time to stay humble and to remember like how precious that sobriety is and that you've got to like stay engaged and involved and give back in order to keep, just like you said, in order to keep what you've been given, you have to give it away. I wanted to circle back to on one thing that we briefly mentioned at the beginning, but just what are you doing that's within an eternal perspective of great importance? And, you know, when Dave died, we talked a lot about this. We talked a lot about how you look at his life and the way he kind of changed what he was doing in his career and how he was spending time with his family and how he wanted to mentor people and how he left this huge impact on his community where a hundred plus, however, I don't know, I can't remember the exact number, but so many people showed up to that candlelight vigil to celebrate how much he meant to all these people who he made them feel like you are the most important person to me right now. And he really like changed from being just a, like a realtor who was just out making his own deals and moving a lot of money and doing a ton of business within real estate to, I want to help 
people to learn how to do this for themselves. And he spent the last, what, two-ish years of his career mentoring people and then also so that he'd have more time at home with his kids. And then when his life ended really abruptly, it was like, wow, he, something within him changed where he wanted to reprioritize his life and his time. And what a cool thing to be able to look at how much he was able to impact because he made those changes in his career. And we've talked about that in your career too, how it didn't go how either of us planned, but how much you've been able to impact and share your light, share your testimony, share your story, share your faith with others and how that's brought so many people to recovery and it's given so many people hope within their marriages and lots of things that if you would have just stayed totally 100% career path minded, that you would have lost out on that little plot of land that the Lord gave you to work with. Whoever's listening to this, if there are things that you're, you're trying to decide, well, do I spend my time here or there or wherever? And what is my purpose? What is my calling? I think that is a really great guiding North Star to just take a step back and think, okay, in the next life, when I die, what's going to matter? What am I going to be so glad that I spent my time doing? And for someone like Thomas S. Monson, that for him, his leisure time, one of the top priorities for him was going and spending time in these care centers with people who were really lonely, who didn't have a lot of visitors. And he was well known for being that person that just would pop in and spend his extra time with people who didn't have a lot of human interaction. And that was a, that was priority for him. So in your realm, in your plot of land that God has given you, what are your gifts or talents? What do you have an abundance of? Where do you have skills or gifts or time? Or maybe it is monetary or whatever you have, like what can you take and then turn around and give to others? with what you've been given. And and then I think like looking at what is going to really matter and have a ripple effect into the next life is a really good gauge of like where you're spending your time. And to this girl who wrote the original question, I said to her because I knew she was, I could tell within our previous interactions, I could tell she was a member of our church. I said to her, President Nelson, the prophet of our church has said that the most important work happening on this earth right now is the gathering of Israel, which is, we believe, you know, gathering people to know Jesus Christ before he comes again and then do temple work and do missionary work. And so I told her, if you're doing any of those things, you're doing literally what the prophet of our church has said is the most important work. So if you're a member of our church, that's a really good gauge of, are you spending time in the temple? Are you doing family history work? Are you helping share the gospel with others. Those are really, really good ways to spend your time. But if you're not a member of our church, maybe just stepping back and saying, what do I want to be remembered for? What are some of the things that once I die, they will continue to have an effect on others? You know, what will I be so glad when my life is over that I spent my time doing that thing? Oh, I love the eternal perspective, I think is so key in everything. And I don't know, just as we're talking, I guess final thought for me would be like, trust God. So much of the problem 
many of the problems that I think we have that, that I know that I have, if I really drill down to the core of it, it comes down to a, there's, there's a little bit of a lack of a trust or a big lack of trust. Like I do think there's a, a difference between believing in God or having faith and believing God. There's this really cool talk that someone shared with me that talked about that, but it's basically, I can believe in God, but not necessarily trust him that everything is specifically designed in my life to get me to the place that God wants me to be. And that if there is changes or there are changes to be made, that he'll convey that to me if I'm making myself available to listen. And if I'm, so long as I'm willing to follow that, that, that God will direct me, I think that, that there can be a disconnect sometimes in in believing in God, but then trusting that he has a plan for me specifically or has a plan for you specifically. It's trusting that there is a plan specifically for you and that will be carried out as we're willing to listen to whatever he has to say. I love that and I totally agree with it. Okay, final challenge for me is for you to sit down and open up a notebook or open up a little notes, the notes app in your phone And I want you to write down three things. First of all, I want you to give yourself credit for three things that you're already doing. And I guarantee you there's more than three, but at least three things. This kind of goes into like when I do my to-do list, sometimes I write down things that I've already done and I check them off just so I feel more accomplished. But I think it's important to recognize there was one time where I went to a conference and was talking about how I felt so guilty that I wasn't doing any service because I was so busy in my business at that point and there was so much going on and I was, you know, trying to help provide for my family. And one of my friends said, Corinne, you share the gospel all the time on your social media. Like you are, that is a service. Like you are doing a service. And I kind of was like, oh, I am? Oh yeah, I guess I am. I, yeah, I guess that counts as service. And so I guarantee you there's something not just something, but there are many things in your life that you're like, yeah, I am doing these things already. So I want you to first give yourself credit for a few things that you're doing already to spend your time wisely and to serve God or to serve others or to help others around you. Because I guarantee you there's more than three, but at least three things that you can write down. And then after you've written that down, I want you to prayerfully ponder, meditate, pray, ask God or even ask the universe, like, what can I be doing with my time? What are the most important things that right now in my life I need to do? And write those things down and then really commit to yourself to try to prioritize those things. And the list may change daily. For me, again, that's something that I kneel down and pray and ask about on a daily basis. But there also are long-term things that God has nudged me about, like writing my book where I feel like for years he's said, this is a priority. I need you to do this. I need you to take this time. I need you to use it wisely. And and anytime we've followed that prompting with sharing our story about addiction recovery or starting this podcast, we've seen just amazing blessings and miracles come, usually in the form of that ultimate source of feeling the joy of helping someone else find truth and light and happiness and joy not in like a monetary sense but in a it's so rewarding like eternal joy and satisfaction type of rewarding to know that you helped somebody out in a way that they wouldn't have found 
that unless you shared your light, unless you didn't hide your candle under a bushel, but you let it shine for the world to see. So whatever that is for you, you know, if they're long-term or short-term things, or maybe it's just this afternoon, or maybe it's something you need to do this year, write down those things that come to your mind, that come to your heart, or that have come to your mind and heart recently, and then commit to doing them. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.